0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to All Things Pilates. I'm Darian Gold. There is a new Pilates book on the minds of Pilates teachers and students. It's called Caged Lion, and it's part biographical, part historical, and even part controversial. The author John Steele is our guest, and he's here to talk about his book, why he wrote it, and what has happened since its publication. We'll hear snippets about his unique friendship with Joe, what it was like to learn Contrology from Joe, and how through John's focused determination achieved almost the impossible, helping to rebirth an obscure exercise method destined to depart with its creator, Joe Pilates. To give you a hint of Caged Lion, because I want you all to get the book and read John's story for yourselves, John describes his first-hand experiences with amazing clarity, so much so you actually feel as if you're right there with him. His sharp wit keeps you wondering how the Joe story is going to end. I had laugh-out-loud moments and a few eyebrow-raising ones as well. John's book has it all—mystery, intrigue, sex, manipulation, resolution, and new beginnings. It's written in the first person, and his honest and unapologetic account make this book a fascinating read. I have so many questions for John that I've divided them into two parts. I know he will answer these questions with his usual candor and clarity. So without further ado— Hi John.
1: Hello. How are you today?
0: I'm well. Thank you for joining us today.
1: It's my pleasure.
0: John, why did you write this book?
1: I wrote the book for several reasons. One of which was uh, that this uh, uh, this was a part of of my life, a big part of my life that uh, had actually almost disappeared. From the uh, from from the great success of Pilates, and I discovered when I did the keynote address to the PMA in 2007, the very few people knew even that uh, there was a man named Pilates, much less what he did or uh, what influence he had uh, on uh, what they were teaching. So I wrote it. To inform people of that. I wrote it to resurrect the importance of Joe himself. Uh, uh, I I just wanted to get his life back (laughs) into Pilates. I wrote it in a way that I thought would help teachers teach because one of the things that very few people knew about Joe, even those that studied with him, they didn't realize what a great teacher he was, uh, how brilliant he, he was at getting people to do what he thought they should do with very few words. I also wrote it because I love to write. I uh, hadn't written a book before. I hadn't even thought about writing a book before. But I wrote a lot professionally, and that was a different kind of writing, legal writing. Uh, and that was a problem for me when i got to uh, got started writing this book i couldn't get my inner lawyer out of me uh, it took me years to, to conquer that inner lawyer but you know i i had no idea really what would happen with this book or what shape it would take when i started to write it i just felt it had to be done and i had to do it and that's what I
0: did. How has Caged a Lion been received?
1: Well, in the Pilates community, which uh, I mean the professional, the teachers like you and studio owners, I think it's been received great. I mean, I get four or five emails a day. I'm reading your book. I I love it. Uh, your introduction, for which I haven't thanked you yet, but I have to, I mean, that's just great. I hear that uh, constantly. People do laugh. (laughs) I've gotten several emails (laughs) where they've cried. And uh, I write back and say, that's fine. I've cried too when I wrote that part. So yeah, I think in the community, it's been received uh, wonderfully. But my hope when I wrote it was that All the professionals would get it and see it and read it, and then they would talk to the students, and that would be a wonderful way of, you know, there's 10 million students in this country alone. But, of course, that has pretty much dried up, and I'm very grateful to what you're doing, uh, you know, which is giving me a chance to have other people learn about the book.
0: Were there any comments that you didn't anticipate that maybe you'd like to share with us? <laughs> I think
1: I anticipated worse than I got. <laughs> I thought there would be problems uh, related to uh, uh, Ramana's family, who I knew. I mean, I knew Shari and Paul quite well, and I haven't heard a word from them. Uh, I did anticipate trouble from one source. I got it. It's been a very minor incident, I think. It hasn't really been much of a disturbance. And and actually, when it happened, which was, of course, online, on social media, all of a sudden, about four or five people who'd read the book, who I never had met, jump to my defense. So that felt great.
0: (laughs) Let's speaking of jumping, let's jump into Joe's studio. When you first began lessons there, you describe a moment in the book where there was something buried in the routine. Can you say more about that?
1: Yes. I think that's a, a it's a very good question Buried in the routine is, is a very important uh, thing for me. I, I, I didn't know exactly why I came back second time. And, you, you know, if you read the book, you'll understand why that was even an issue. The first time ended up dramatically bad, <laughs> I mean, difficult. And I I came back and I, I never really understood why. And again, to answer the first question, one of the reasons I wrote the book was to actually find out a lot of these things about myself. There was something in the routine that first day that my body said, you need more of this. Uh, this is good for you, this is going to help you, and you need it, and you're going back. So <laughs> I went back, uh, you know, it was a very close call, I and I think what really got me back was some involuntary of a force that (laughs) came out of this very thing. In fact, when Joe asked me as I left, he didn't ask me. When I left the studio, and I point this out in the book, when I left the studio after that very difficult first day, he assumed I would be back. He said, I will see you at seven, uh, two days hence, if this was Tuesday, I'll see you at seven, O'clock on Thursday. And I nodded my head, okay. Why I did that, I have no idea. But I did do it. And that was the same force that made me show up at that seven o'clock a.m. The, uh, the following couple of days. So yes, there is something in the routine. And it's not me. It's 10 million, 20 million people that uh, are affected by this. And you can ask uh, hundreds of people, so why do you go back? And they will say, well, uh, that makes me feel better, or I like it, or, you know, my friends are there, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and they don't think much about it, but they are drawn back to it by a force that, you know, that's there in this routine. It does something to you inside. And I try to explain it with this uh, reference to a psychologist whose name not, no one in the whole world can pronounce, <laughs> but it, his name is Six Cent Mihaila. Six Cent Mihaila. His first name is Mihaila. So it's Mihaila, Sixth Sense Mihaila. And he wrote a wonderful book called Flow, mostly for psychiatrists or psychologists. And uh, he does explain a little of what that force
0: is. I love it. That's a, see, that was a nice answer, right? (laughs) Yes, it is. You write that Joe was interested in keeping you moving, even when you struggled with trying to figure out the spring setting, how to use the straps properly. He just wanted to keep you moving. That reminds me of Romana for sure. But at some point you say that you fell into his rhythm and that struck me. And I, I wanted to know what is it, what was it about, Was it his rhythm verbally or his his body? What did you mean by his rhythm? Well,
1: (laughs) good question, because again, you know, when I was doing it, I didn't think much about it. And then when I had to write about it, from the minute you walked into his gym to the minute you left, you were there to work and you had to keep moving. You were not allowed to sit anywhere and watch anyone. You were not allowed to stand anywhere. You couldn't stop and talk. You couldn't have water with them for yourself. You just kept going. And you want to know how he got you to do that. There was a lot of verbal uh, uh, commands in the sense that he told you, Kept telling you what to do. Sit here, move there, legs there. A very short commands, no big explanations, but he kept the pace going. And the, the routine itself didn't consist of 24 separate movements or 48 or six, whatever you number you want to pick. It consisted of starting on the apparatus which was preferably always the reformer and finishing to the end. Everything in between was as much part of the contrology as the actual choreographed exercise. And the only analogy that I think makes it very clear to people is if you look at a musical score. There are notes, and there are spaces between the notes. Both are music. Mm. It's not just the note. It's the space and the note. And that's what a routine on any of his apparatus, including the mat, was then. So. That's what I meant, <laughs> if, if that's an explanation.
0: That's not an easy concept. I don't know if everyone would be able to articulate that right away because it's, it is like music because in the silences, that's maybe where the music is the fullest.
1: That's correct. And it, when, you, when you move from the hundred to uh, leg circles, if that's the order you're going to do it, and you go to grab the straps, and you change the springs, you had to move at the same pace you were doing the hundred at, or you were going to do leg circles at. Uh, It may have been a different beat. In other words, your hundred is boom, 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 and your leg circles are yeah, yeah, but the rhythm was still there. One where eighth notes one word sixteenth notes one quarter notes so the whole thing moved with this rhythm that he got you to do and just like when you go out on the dance floor sometimes the first 10 movements of whatever you're doing, you're a little stiff and you may be offbeat and you step on your partner's toes. But after a few minutes, you drop into the rhythm of the music. And that's what I meant when I said I dro- dropped into his
0: rhythm. Mm, it's beautiful. Okay. From the workout to the shower. In the studio. <laughs> Same <laughs> rhythm. <laughs> so people were supposed to shower after the workout, and Joe insisted that everyone use this specific type of soap and brush that he supplied. How did people handle that experience?
1: They mostly ignored it. And that, that soap was very harsh. The brush was very stiff. And uh, you know he, he now and then he jumped in the shower, uh, which he did with me, and he did with Mary Bowen, and he, and obviously he did with other people as well. So, but you know he couldn't be in the shower with you all the time. And you know, people I'm sure brought their own soap. I did not. Uh, whether they used the brush or not. I didn't jump in the shower with anyone. Probably would have had a little more fun <laughs> some of the days, had I, but I didn't. And uh, <laughs> the I still use a stiff brush and pretty, you know, not too fancy soap. And the, it makes, I think, a difference. He was, he was right. You know, now people put on stuff to ex defo- exfoliate themselves or whatever. That brush did everything you needed to do. You came out pink if you were white. If you were not white, you came out a deeper color of yourself. So
0: this was an overall philosophy in the contrology system than caring for your skin. I guess that's was he he felt that the skin was well, he, Part of the whole
1: you know, thing, it, no, nah, it, you know, wasn't broken into parts. Uh, Joe saw your whole life as a caring for your system. You know, you had to. You should walk a certain way. You should sit a certain way. You should sleep a certain way. Even to develop that bednasium, that gym in the bed thing. He saw it all as one thing. It, that you were scrubbing your body was no more important or less important than doing the hundred. I mean, you know, exercise was not how we, I think, compartmentalize it now. It wasn't a separate thing you do. It was how you lived (laughs) in his mind. And if you can, and you know, that's what I keep thinking is what's buried deep in contrology, that need to feel that connection all the time, not just when you're in the gym or taking a class or even now virtual class. It's there all the time. You get up and take a walk. You should be doing contrology in Joe's mind and in my mind now. But, you know, I I don't think you have to Bang people over the head with that if they don't. A lot of people do do it though. I mean, I speak to people about mm, so does this stick with you? Oh, yeah, when I walk, take a walk, I pull my shoulders back, I drop them down. I, I'm conscious of my whole body.
0: Clara, will you tell us about her and how was she as a teacher? Well, <laughs>
1: That's a very difficult question. Uh, Her presence was very important. I think, I'm trying to recall, you know, when she and Joe were together in the gym, he took all the air, all of it. There wasn't a drop left for anybody. So they were helpers. And they kind of did, you know, what they thought he wanted to have done, but they never were the teacher. So in your studio, you can teach, and you may have two or three. Other teachers there, they could be independent contractors, they could be employees of yours, they have their own clients, they teach, they teach separate classes, they teach privates, whatever. And I see that in many, many studios. That's not how it was there, it was only Joe. Then, after Joe died, uh, John Winter and Hannah Sakamoto, they sort of did the teaching, but there was no one to teach. (laughs) The 50 or so of us, if there were even that many, who continued on with the work, all knew it extremely well by then. No new people came in during that period. When Ramana took over, she, was a gifted teacher. She was a ballet teacher. She knew the body extremely well. She knew movement extremely well. She had a very energetic and quite commanding presence. You listen to her. Everyone who you know has been trained by her remembers that so well. She really was a gifted teacher in a very different style. Than Joe. Clara kept coming to the new studio and she was in the old studio after Joe died. She'd come in, not an awful lot, but she'd be there. But she didn't really, you know, start with a new pupil or a new student, a pupil, a new <laughs> student, and indoctrinate him. She just, I never saw her do that. She did take over. There were certain people who didn't get along well with Joe.
0: Oh, gee, Uh, (laughs) I wonder why. (laughs) Well, there
1: were. And uh, she would sense that, and she'd be a wonderful backup for that. And she would take over and help them learn the routine. But in answer to your question, she wasn't a Romana. She was certainly not a Joe. Had she had to do it all by herself, she couldn't have done it. But she's a wonderful person.
0: <laughs> and ultimately, that's that was most important. And that you you all helped her and took care of her towards the end. Yeah.
1: Yes, we did.
0: You describe in the book that you and Joe spent time walking and as you describe almost power walking the streets of New York City. And one time, Joe said something I know you'll never forget, but he had never said it before. Sex is as important as contrology. And I was wondering if you could take us back to that moment when he said that. Well, that gets
1: pretty personal. (laughs) but And I think it is with everyone. first place, let's put that back into that same context. Everything was part of your life. Yes, that's right. Whether you're walking or whether you're having sex or whatever you're doing, was all lumped, taking a shower, was all lumped into the same rules for living, let's call them, a return to life. I don't know where he'd been that he had to return to life, but he felt that that was life was contrology so when he said sex was as important as contrology what i heard in my head was wow <laughs> coming from him nothing could be as important as contrology but here it is sex so uh, originally i was a little perplexed by why he brought it up or how it happened and again, you know, I'm reconstructing in my mind what happened in 1964. So that's a long time ago. That's 56 years ago. Uh, and then, I, you know, I got a little worried because I, you know, I hadn't, he hadn't ever asked me about my own life, uh, my own relationship. He knew my wife didn't come in. And that bothered him to some extent. Why doesn't your wife come in? He might have asked me. Sometimes, you know. So I was a little like, "Oh, something bad's going to happen."
0: She wasn't interested at all in working her body that way. Your wife at the time, uh, or she didn't want to be near you. <laughs> well, no, no one outside, no one
1: outside of the small group people was. I mean, she didn't know what it was, really. She, no, she wasn't interested. She was interested in other things. And uh, most people weren't. You could, you, could, you, know, if I said to someone at the office, where are you going if they asked me at 5 o'clock? I say, I'm going to go, you know, do a session with Joseph. What's that? And I try to explain it. They'd look at you like, well, you're w- really strange. And uh, no one knew anything about this. Or, you know, the ballet world did, New York ballet world did, but no one else did. So your sex life. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my sex life. Let's stay away from that.
0: (laughs) But Joe, Joe, well, it it leads me to that other question, which was the two inventions, the magic circle and the V-bed. Yeah with that in mind with with sexuality being part of this whole contrology system and oh
1: sure well that the i mean yes we got into my problem and at home and we got into his solution for my problem at home <laughs> which was really a very important thing for me just to be aware that yeah, Jewish guilt. <laughs> goodbye. I mean, basically, that's what it was. So, in terms of the magic circle, yes, that's that's sort of a joke. But in terms of his concept that if he could make his system of exercises feel to the people doing it like they were, like they felt when they were having sex. He could sell it. People would go for it. I mean, he was well aware, even given the shift from German uh, culture, which was very strongly oriented toward going to the gym and getting in shape and hard work and all that. If he could get from that to the American kind of casualness about everything, and, you know, hey, you don't have to work out. No, don't bother with that. If he could get that German thing over, and he thought he he came up with this thought that he expressed to me as this big, dark secret, which I haven't thought much about, that if he could get the movements in his program to emulate The movements of sexual intercourse, he would really have something. And he did. And I have (laughs) maybe for 20 years, if I've been in a studio and gotten it all close to a teacher and it would come up, something would come up. I said, well, you know, it's all about sex. And they would always sort of jump back and say, what do you mean? I say, everything you're teaching, everything I'm doing is all about sex. And it's not that you're training people for sex. It's that you're doing things that feel good when you're having sex. They remind you of those positions. It's that. And it prepares you to have better sex. And they would always would jump back instantly, as I <laughs> said. But after a few moments of reflection and visualization, I mean, when you, when you see the Pilates, the basic mat work or basic reformer work, when you see what's going on with that, Take a look at one of the pictures behind you with that <laughs> lady with her legum there. I mean, it. it these that's are- That's no lady, that's me. <laughs> well, you're a lady. <laughs> that's a, a beautiful picture. But the point being, that relation ha- happens subliminally to people. And he knew it. And he, he never made a point of it. He- never try to sell it that way. But he knew he was instilling in you that good feeling. And that's what that was all about. And I think people, you know, I've got no comments other than from you <laughs> or questions. And so that tells me a little Uh-oh. about you there in gold, but that's good. But the point is, it, 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 people have accepted that as, as being the truth. It's, there's something there. The magic circle thing, <laughs> that's his joke. I mean, I, I had several German clients in my, of my career, and they all had this, this wonderful sense of humor. There was always some little joke within a joke And The Magic Circle is a joke. Uh, And I explain why in the book, and I think I should leave it there. Yes,
0: yes. Well, I know so many people are going to get this book after this airs. I think already about six people that I know, they've already gotten the book from you. Good. Okay, so besides sex, you and Joe also spent time at Central Park Zoo. What was that about? What was the attraction for Joe?
1: Well, that that is at the very core of of him. And that's why I concluded that he developed these exercises while he was incarcerated on the Isle of Man. He would absolutely focus, concentrate on watching large cats, mostly lions and tigers, exercise in confinement. He would watch how they stretched and watched how they moved and watch everything. And he was convinced in his mind, and I certainly agreed, watching him. And he'd constantly be nudging me to, wouldn't say anything, but I should watch that, uh, convinced that they had developed through natural instinct the perfect way to stretch their bodies in confinement. And even return to life, when you read it, a certain light, return to life is all about living in a big city. It, uh, people think it's, oh, it's just, you know, it's a general book. It isn't. It's a, about combating modern city life. And when he'd see a tiger, or particularly lions, combating what he saw them living in, apartments, you know, counterparts of apartments, their cage, uh, And how they kept themselves healthy, he thought that's what everyone has to do who lives here in New York. And he'd study it. He'd see the stretch. He'd see their body move. He'd see how they got their muscles to work right. And that's what that was about. He was fascinated by that. And that's why I named the book.
0: Did you see that? Did you see that? In that experience with him, or did he did he have to explain it to you, or did you get that right away?
1: Joe didn't explain anything ever to anyone, so he didn't explain that to me. But I saw when he would nudge me, you could see. For example, this is an extreme example. A lion will turn over on its back, and occasionally. And you think it's rubbing its back. You know, you'll see your cat or your dog do it out on the lawn. But you you could actually see the lion uh, try, trying to do the teaser or the hundred. You could actually see them move their arms in rhythm or try to bend their spine or use their head. And he he, that's what he would give me the elbow for and I'd look and there, there it was now it, it wasn't like Jane Fonda on the top of the box on a reformer doing the teaser but it was an animal trying to get its body conditioned so that
0: was that. That's <laughs> fascinating truly.
1: It was I didn't realize much at the time you know, I'm just sitting with them and I think, oh, this is you know. <laughs> okay. I, all right. So they do the 100, big deal. Because, you know, no one back then had any idea that Pilates was going to be what it is today.
0: Yes, yes. There was a teacher, his assistant named Hannah, and you mentioned her before, Hannah Sakamurda. And yeah. everyone had to go through her first, correct? No. Not never, everyone no, had to no. work with her first?
1: Never. No. It, most people when they came in worked with Joe first.
0: Oh.
1: Uh, he 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 worked with you first. And afterwards you you know, he helped I think I mean I for some reason I didn't have a typical experience. He stayed with me a long time. There was something there. He sensed something about me that to this day, uh, I, I kind of think was a bit uncanny. He somehow knew that I'd be there afterwards. Why me? I have no idea. Cause I certainly wasn't training to be a teacher or anything. But anyhow, he stayed with me a little longer. I think he was surprised by me, he saw this sort of preppy middle upper middle class uh, kind of bratty kid, and yet you know, he's trying really hard to do this. that surprised him, so he stayed with me longer, so i don't I really can't talk about a lot of other people uh that that started at the same time I did very few did anyhow in fact, I don't recall anyone but So I don't know. So he could have started with someone and turned them over to John or Hannah early on, and then they would help them learn the exercise. But the goal was for everyone to become self-sufficient as fast as possible.
0: He wanted lots of bodies in the studio, everyone knowing his routine, and then everyone working out on their own. Yeah,
1: yeah. He wanted... It it was it's a self-destructive business practice. I mean, it's guaranteed to uh, put you out of business as quickly as you went in. You teach everybody how to do it. You show them how to buy a machine. You tell them to do it at home for half an hour every morning and they'll never show up again. You have no clients. I mean, that was the crazy thing about this whole thing. But, of course, in those days, you couldn't buy a machine very easily. He was the only one that really made them or had them made. And people didn't work out at home and didn't have gyms. And we were in New York. So it wasn't that they were going to go somewhere else then. But now, of course, they would. So No, No,
0: no, no. So it's not like Hannah and John did anything different. They prepared people to do their own workout. Those who didn't get the opportunity to work with Joe or Clara, correct?
1: You know, Joe and Clara were there. Joe was there a lot. Clara was there a lot. Not all the time. Um, And they, they wandered around. They drifted around. I mean, it wasn't like they were drifting. They went from person to person to person. They'd look over here. They'd see someone isn't... You know, I wasn't doing the leg circles with the toes pointed or something. And Clara or Joe would come over and tap you on the foot or in the arch or somewhere. And oh, yeah, to point my toes. Yeah, point my toe. So you point your toes or you straighten up or you bend over. You do. So they were always moving around. I mean, they never, never still. And Hannah and Bob Seed and John and several other people from time to time would be doing the same. No one had any teacher attached to them. It was all free agency. So if you really got stuck on on what to do after you did the, the leg circles or something, And you you went up and looked at the pictures on the wall and you still couldn't quite figure it out or having a problem and you're really stuck. Then Hannah or or Clara, never Joe, uh, would come over, John, and say, it's the teaser or put, it's a long box now. It's a long box. Uh, They kind of slip you the, you know, it's like a, college uh, high school exam where someone next to you says the answer to number three is seven uh it was it was you know you weren't allowed to talk or make noise or ask questions so that's how it was and you learn fast i mean you know it's surprising i, I still do the exact same routine i did 1963
0: have you ever filmed yourself?
1: No, no. I, I mean, I, I've seen enough horror movies. <laughs> I don't have to do that.
0: <laughs> that would be well. How cool would that be? That the author of Caged Lion is practicing Joe's work. That would be fantastic. Come on. Well, well, of
1: course I am.
0: Yeah, I mean, for the world to see, John, think about it.
1: the, the world, uh, <laughs> there's too much of me to see now. Back in the day, yes, but not now.
0: Hey, podcast listeners. I hope you're really enjoying my interview with John. We'll get back to it shortly, but I wanted to take this chance to invite you to a special Pilates group class. September is my birthday month, and for this year, I'm giving a complimentary Zoom class. All you have to do is email darian at dariangold.com, and we'll put you on the birthday list. It will be the usual hour class, plus a little wine after. We've all spent so many months sheltering at home. It's our chance to gather and catch up. I sure hope you can join us. Now back to my conversation with John. Jumping ahead, this is after Joe had passed away. So that's a bit more, a few more chapters in. It's a fabulous book, everyone. I know you're all going to get it. Uh, Joe is gone and there are a group of you, the the students that you talked about 50 or so that needed contrology in their, in their lives, but you needed a new Joe, you needed a new studio leader and Clara needed help. Correct. Can you talk about this time?
1: Yeah. yeah, Well, Clara didn't need help. Uh, She needed money. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so she needed support. Income, yeah, and and she did need help also, but she could take care of herself. But she was t-
0: she was teaching still, correct? Well, you say teaching, you know, or you're using okay, a modern modern
1: concept. She was there in the studio, but she wasn't. There was no real intake at that point. Nobody was knew was coming in that i can remember anyhow so we were all a bunch of people that knew the work pretty well some of them had been doing it for 15 years by then uh and had come two or three times a week during that entire period And, yeah, they liked to get a push when they were doing spine stretch forward or a little help with this, a little help with that, and corrections. And she was there, Clara, but, you know, she was had very poor vision. And we just kept the thing going like it was our little club, really. And there were maybe 50 people. But of the fifty, only about eight of us were active in keeping it going. We expanded it a little. Uh, we always wanted to expand it, but you know, people just wanted to come up and do their thing and go home. And we expanded it a little, but when we when we moved, because everyone got excited about that, and but the we didn't have we didn't have a captain uh, of the ship
0: and then in nineteen seventy two ish you met with romana yes. krizannowska
1: well it, it was about she died in sixty seven so it was you know pretty close to seventy when i started on the quest for a new leader a new leader yeah
0: When you met Romana and you started discussing whether or not she would be the new Joe or the new, let's say, new studio leader, you describe her as arrogant and a diva, but you also called her brilliant. And I know social media lit up about some of your descriptions of Romana. How have you handled those comments? And I know that you spoke about that earlier. Is there anything that was said that was either completely false or that they just have been misinformed because it's like the telephone tag game? You hear one thing and then it goes around the table, right? Well, you
1: know, I, I tried in the book to give a realistic, from my perspective, I made a picture of Romana's contribution. And I think I made it exceptionally clear that without Romana, this whole thing would have died on the vine. There was no question in my mind that she was the last leaf here. <laughs> I, uh, uh, that's the name of my company that Publishes this book. She was the last possible person to do it, and she did a magnificent job. She did what she did was fantastic. But Ramana, you know, uh, to give an, an accurate picture of her, you know, it, I felt that, that you had to talk about the problems and. Down the road, years and years later, I mean, this is, let's say, 70, starting in around 90, 20 years later, she was participant or the source or the colleague of a terrible destructive force that was being unleashed on Pilates, which had just started to come out of its chrysalis. It just had started to bloom for the first time. I don't, and I don't mean the first time since Joe died, for the first time ever. It was blooming. It had Ron Fletcher had it going really well on the West Coast. We had someone making equipment uh, as a real business we had people in santa fe people in boulder people teaching it and it it all of a sudden it just like a you know a butterfly it had come out of the whatever they come out of and there it was and this force uh, uh, be, became unleashed and Murmana got caught up in it And I thought in the book it was important to remember that she was, you know, had that in her from the beginning. And the reason I believe she took the job is that I was able to appeal to that sense of hers of being a diva, being really important, being on center stage. it, it sunk in and she acted that out through the rest of her life, which was a great thing for Pilates because she brought unbelievable energy to it from 72 to 84, whatever it was, when Aris Isotoner bought it. And without that energy and that skill she had as a ballet teacher and knowledge of the body, you know, would have gone away. It did go away, but it left an impression. <laughs> there are people out there that kept it going, Ron Fletcher being one of them, uh, but not uh, Joan, uh, uh, just dropped your name. She'll be very angry. Breitbart? What yes. yes, Joan Breitbart and and the crew in Santa Fe and out west. They kept it going. And I think a lot of that was from what they got from Romana. Yeah. So it, when this terrible thing happened and when we got to court, and and she is saying to the judge that she's the only one that could tell if it is Pilates or not Pilates and that she has to have control of this trademark and that that's what Joe wanted. And I'm sitting there saying, oh, my God, this can't be. I mean, no. And I called her an imposter, which I think is true. It was true. Well, I did get a lot of flack on that, and I answered it as quickly as I could. I didn't want to get in a fight with anyone, and a lot of people said, yeah, yeah, read the preface. He says this is his impression of what was going on, That was going on, and, you know, so I got people coming to my defense, and it was not the fuss that, Lasted
0: very long. I'm curious when in the book you talk about Romana selling apparatus because it was becoming more this work started getting out of control. More and more people wanted to open their own studios. Which company did she? Grotz. Oh, I see. Okay, so from the very beginning, she was selling Gratz Industries Incorporated apparatus at that time period. Correct.
1: Yeah, it wasn't Graz Industries. It was just Gra- Don Graz. It was small potatoes at first. And when uh, Iran, Fletcher one, opened in Los Angeles, uh, the original idea was that he would get his equipment from through Romana. And Romana was extremely resistant to his whole project. And one of the, uh, I was almost saying tricks, one one, one, one of the only carrots I put in front of her to get her to relax about this, because she was a half owner of the studio, was to say, look, he's going to want equipment. How about if you get the commission personally on that? And she, she liked that idea. He didn't buy the equipment through her. I don't know what happened during the negotiations. I can guess that it was not very friendly, that she made it really hard on him. And we have Ken Edelman and Balanced Body as a result of that. He asked Clara for a drawing of the equipment. She sent it to him. It's been lost, that particular drawing. There's a copy of it, Ken has. And she went to Ken, and he made the equipment to to Clara's drawing specifications. But other people around New York wanted to open more studios at home, kind of thing. And the deal. That I thought was I had with Ramana was that the company, the uh, 939 Studio Corporation, would sell the equipment, and she'd get a commission, ten percent, because she actually sold you know sold it. But what happened, and we did do a few of those, I'm sure. But what happened was she started to sell it all on the side. So she'd get grats to make it for X dollars, and she'd charge whatever she wanted. And when I found that out later, I was, you know, disturbed by it. It wasn't right. Uh, But no one on, on our side cared much about the money. What we cared about was that it kept going. And It has. Yeah. But it certainly didn't then. It died. Twice, died with aris isotoner, a Stanton, died with we So,
0: but well. Joe knew something obviously because through those two experiences, it's still alive. It's maybe it had to go through those two deaths.
1: I think it did. I think it. It was waiting. It was waiting for a combination of two or three things. It. It was good that Ramana kept the basic choreography intact. And during that period, that was a book that was written by uh, the... Philip? Philip, yes. Right. And they kept it going. They worked very hard with Romana on that. Uh, The pictures are there. So you could see that it was very, very close to the Return for Life pictures. I mean, it wasn't the same, but it was close. And there were a lot of people that went through Romana's uh, stuff that had it very close. So we kept, that kept it within that confine. And then it was waiting for someone like Ron. And, uh, you know, he was, he's always been a sort of beloved figure in the, PMA Pilates world, but I don't think anyone really gave, gave him the credit. And again, he didn't do it. Oh boy, I'm going to keep Joe's legacy alive. Oh boy, I'm going to keep this alive. He didn't do it for that. He did it because he loved he loved what he was doing about it. He loved his work. He loved how it has it straightened his life out, it really did, and uh, used his talents. You know, he found Ken and he uh, he found celebrities and that was the, the spark it was waiting for. And of course, the press and the paparazzi and, you know, you walk out onto uh, Wiltshire Boulevard where it was at the time, it's moved since. Uh, And there were paparazzi waiting to see if Fonda was coming out or Natalie Wood or who, yeah, that was so, and that was great for Pilates and L.A. What's
0: your fondest memory of Ron? It's not fond, but my (laughs) memory. (laughs) Okay.
1: But it's not bad either. I negotiated the deal with Ron where he paid Clara $5,000 a month. It's all done by paper. He was already in Los Angeles. Uh, Clara had told him that it was going to be okay. And he said, fine. And then she said, but I want you to have something from John, me, uh, and he'll draw it up and get in touch with you, which I did. Two pages I can't find the copy,
0: it's embarrassing.
1: <laughs> but uh, it was two pages. It was about the 5,000 a month. It was that we would come out. Clara would come out once a month to make sure he was adhering. And Romana uh, insisted on that, adhering to, you know, basic Joe's program and choreography. And uh, we would help get him equipment and he could use the name and da. da, da which he didn't, but I sent it to him. He signed it and sent it back in five minutes. That was my first thing. Then a couple of months down the road, I tried to get Clara to go out. I was going to go with her. Uh, Because I said, we have an obligation and let's do it. Let's see what he's doing. Uh, Okay, And so I made reservations, and it was probably a month or so later. But she got cold feet, and it was hard for her to get through an airport, I could tell you. And I was concerned about it. But we were going to do it. So then she said, no, you go. (laughs) So I said, he's not going to like that. He wants to see you. Who am I? She says, I'll tell him you go. And she did, and I called him, and he was ice cold. Uh, uh, you know, like, why are you coming? What are you going to What do you know? I mean, I was a lawyer. All these people, you know, uh, Romano looked at me, well, what the hell is this lawyer doing in the midst of this beautiful ballet-like thing? Uh, what does he know? And so uh, and his attitude was equally Bad toward me. I said, "All right, I'll tell you what." Because uh, I I could s- just feel the chill. I said, "How about a private? Can I have a private with you?" He said, "Oh, sure." So I uh, booked a private with him. I flew out there. I went to the Wilshire, lovely Wilshire Hotel, which was Caddy Corner across the street. I showed up on time, and I got there wearing my little. Beverly Hills trunks and Beverly Hills t-shirt and probably Beverly Hills sneakers. And I was ready to go and kind of looking forward to it. And he was talking to uh, some woman who I didn't recognize because I'm not good at that at all. He said, "Uh, listen, can you uh, work by yourself? That was the greeting. I said, sure. He says, go ahead. I'll catch up with you. So I got down on a reformer. He had had them in sort of little groups. He had them like in, in twos. I got down on one, and the lady he was talking to put on the one next to me. That was Raquel Welch. And here I am, you know, full of… Testosterone. …30-year <laughs> hormones, and I've got… Uh, uh, Raquel Welch next to me. It was pretty hard to concentrate <laughs> and remember the choreography. Uh, so, uh, And he did come over sort of in the middle. He was rather impressed well, with your knowledge that I could just sit down and completely do it. But I could tell how he was working with Welch that it was a lot different than Joe. And uh, the routine was somewhat the same. You could, you know, see points in it that were exactly the same. Uh, which, of course, when she did leg circles, that, that was disturbing for the guy next door. So, uh, but you can see that. Uh, but you can also see there were other things. The red towel came out. When she was done, he made her do some twisty, twisty stuff with the red towels, And I saw, her. and you could see that he was very strict with her. She had to do it his way, but he had a playfulness about him. He had a, a different appeal to her than Joe would have. So I thought, mm, and a lot of things had changed in between. As I say, there were spots, like you could see the hundred, the leg circle, you could see something down the line uh, that, gee, that was the same, but there was stuff in between that was different. Uh, twisty, bendy stuff,
0: fun stuff, actually. That's a great m- memory, because how can you not forget Raquel Welch, right? And that being next to her and just, Being exposed, probably for the first time, new movement being introduced into Joe's work.
1: Well, being conscious of the new movement. I mean, there was plenty of new movement from Romana, but we paid no attention to it. She was big on turnouts and this, and there were a lot of ballet stuff that went into it. She used words that we never, core, Stuff like that that we didn't use.
0: What did you use? Uh, before. He just used abdomen or?
1: Gut, belly, you know, or poke in the stomach. I mean, <laughs> you know, she had, it was a very subtle change. So instead of, he didn't call it Pilates V. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he'll together, toes apart. That was it. But she says, Pilates V. Uh, or if she had a ballet person second position or something, she'd say. So there, all these things were happening, <laughs> but we didn't give a damn. We were doing what Joe taught us to do. We had John there to help. We had Hannah there to help. We had Ramona there to help, and she didn't interfere with any of us uh, when we did our stuff. But when she had her ballet people or the few new people that she had, she you know would do the core and your powerhouse and you're this and you're that but she didn't use technical terms either i mean you know you go to anatomy studio now and someone says your glutes you're this you're that there were no glutes it was your
0: butt even to t- to today you still practice
1: yeah i'm about to get a reformer i'm convinced i gotta do
0: fantastic that. fantastic John, it's been such a pleasure meeting you and listening to your stories. I know people are, if they haven't bought the book, they're going to buy the book. How do they go about that?
1: Well, there's several ways. The easiest way, of course, is Amazon click and boom, shows up. I think what's really good for everybody is if they have a good local bookstore. There is a very good local bookstore here in Santa Barbara, Chaucer's. You can call them. They will order the book and mail it to you. I am figuring out there's a program where I can direct sales through a thing from my website.
0: And your website is what is your website?
1: John Howard Steele.com, right? What is it? Dot com, yeah. Dot com as slash book. And then you'll get right to Cage Lion. There's a way I can direct them to local bookstores through Ingram. I haven't got it set up yet, uh, but the quickest way is Amazon. Their local bookstore can get it. It's available through local bookstore knows how to do it. You know, I'm all for local bookstores. And
0: soon you'll be doing Audible.
1: I'm sitting here with my fancy mic like yours, uh, trying to figure out with your sound engineer yes. how to rec- how to record it uh, to meet Audible's very difficult standards.
0: You'll do No, no, you'll do it. You'll get it done. It'll be fabulous, John. Well, I, I wish you continued success, John. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Okay. Well, it's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it. Thanks for your boost here and your wonderful
0: introduction. Take care, John. Bye. I hope you learned some new Joe history. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to write a review and tell your friends about this podcast. All Things Pilates is produced and hosted by me, Darian Gold. Podcast production is provided by Audio Ephemera. I'm Andy, the audio engineer for All Things Pilates, and I'm also a student of Darian's. My Pilates practice has strengthened my core and, more importantly, given me a new awareness of my body and its abilities. Darian doesn't hold back, but it's fun, and I always leave my sessions feeling energized. And I'm not the only one.
1: Darian is more than just the teacher. She is committed to seeing you improve and get results from your working with her. Even her group online classes make you feel like she is working one-on-one with you. You can just feel her index finger poking through the screen into your gut, telling you to pull your belly in. Whether you work with Darian live or online, she will always be challenging and fun. Yes, she's more than just a teacher. She's also an investor in your well-being.
0: Darian's Pilates knowledge, experience, personality, cueing, and expert eye are second to none. Every session is a complete delight and I learn so much every time. Darian's teaching involves the whole body and the whole mind and is an experience I would never want to miss. I am much more in tune with my body, much more aware of how I use it, and much more appreciative of what it does for me. I feel energized, focused, and very happy. Visit DarienGold.com to view her online class schedule. Also, try one of her apps, available on the App Store or Google Play. And to keep up with Darien and all her new interviews, subscribe to this podcast. Until next time, take time to read.